You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's up, Huda Nation? Welcome inside the very first Victory Monday of the season on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report, on Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up, and make sure to check out the Facebook page at Straight Up Saints. And the Saints end up actually coming out with a week one victory, the second year in a row where they win the season opener. And it was an interesting game, a fascinating game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the same team that your Skip Bayless is, your Colin Cowards, your Dan Orlando. And all those boys told you that's the team that's going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this season. That team, the team with Tom Brady, the team that had all the hype in the offseason, the team that was apparently going to take that next step, they lost. Uh in week one. And the Saints end up pulling out the victory. Now, look, I'm not here to just completely slander the Bucks and shit on that team and tell you that they're not going to be good this year because we don't know. And look, they need time to gel. And that's why I was never into this idea that we should just prop them up because they have a 43-year-old Tom Brady and say they're going to win the NFC, it takes time. Football isn't basketball. You can't add a LeBron James and instantly overnight become title contenders. It's a 53-man roster. You need three different phases of your team to play well. And if one phase doesn't play well, you might not win that game. Luckily for the Saints in week one, two out of the three phases were outstanding and the third phase was mediocre and good enough for them to pick up the win and I'll break down all three phases and what I liked, what I didn't like from this game. But let me start off with the main takeaway from this one. For the first time in what feels like forever, what feels like an eternity, the Saints have a secondary that they can rely on, a secondary that might actually be the strong suit of this team with Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, Gardner Johnson. They didn't even have P.J. Williams in this game, and yet they played fantastic football in this one. They picked off Tom Brady twice, with one of them being a pick six from Janoris Jack Rabbit Jenkins, who was phenomenal, and I'll talk about him in just a couple of minutes. But he, they had a pick six there. Marcus Williams had an interception on a, uh, I'll, I'll put miscommunication between Brady and Mike Evans. I'll cut him some slack on that throw. But overall, they did a great job. Godwin led the team in receiving yards with 79. Scotty Miller had 73. But other than that, the Saints kept the big names in check. OJ Howard, only 36 yards. Rob Gronkowski, only 11 yards. Mike Evans, only two receiving yards because Marshawn Lattimore basically put that guy in prison on Sunday for about the second or third straight time because he usually has... Uh, Mike Evans' number, so to verse such a potent, explosive uh, receiving corpse and basically shut them down for the majority of the game, for the exception of a couple of PIs here and there, I tip my cap to this New Orleans secondary. I am very excited about this New Orleans secondary because, frankly, I don't know if they're going to play a receiving corpse as deadly as the one that the Buccaneers have in terms of depth, in terms of receiving duo, star power, a multitude of tight ends. The Bucs have it all, and yet the Saints secondary played well, and I get it. Brady needs time to gel. He'll probably better the second time around, but you still have to give the defense credit when they step up, and the defense did it without Zach Ball, and they did it without Marcus Davenport, and without P.J. Williams, who I mentioned before, but really, the star of the game for me was Janoris Jenkins, and let me tell you why. The Saints, with Marshall Lattimore, have always had that cornerback one, that guy that they can stick on the best wide receiver and say, shut him down or contain him this Sunday, and he does it for the most part. The issue is the uncertainty across from Marshawn Lattimore. They now have that with Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins played outstanding football against top-notch wide receivers like a Chris Godwin. And his pick six was an excellent read. Brady telegraphed that throw. Janoris got a great jump. He caught the ball, and everyone knew the minute he gets that pick, that's going to the house. You can just tell. 
And Janoris played exceptionally well against the Vikings in the playoffs, uh, even though the Saints lost. He did a great job, and Stephon Diggs contained him. He forced a fumble. He played really well, and it kind of went under the radar because the Saints lost. The Saints end up extending him in the offseason because they clearly liked what they saw from him. And look, with a full playbook, a time you know time to learn the playbook over the offseason, he used that well, and he showed out in Week 1. Janoris Jenkins was my main star on that New Orleans defense, but I also want to give credit to a guy like Trey Hendrickson and Carl Granderson, who both stepped up really well uh, in Marcus Davenport's absence for the Saints. Now, let's get into the, the offense here, because that's what everyone wants to talk about. Look, the defense played well. The defense is the reason they're 1-0 this season. The offense, on the other hand, was so confusing to figure out, because sometimes... I liked what I saw. I thought Sean Payton, you know, pulled out a couple of tricks from his sleeve, and uh, he had a little bit of that creative mind that we're accustomed to seeing. The issue is it wasn't consistent. And in the first half, the Saints were playing conservative football, uh, check down to Alvin Kamara, constant run plays to the outside, not really letting Drew Brees uncork it. And it got to the point where the Bucks made a run, and it was 24-17, to and all of a sudden we're saying, uh-oh, here comes Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's when we saw the Saints finally say, hey, Time to open up this playbook. And it really started with a Drew Brees 45-yard pass to Jared Cook. And by the way, that's 45 yards where the majority of those yards were through the air. And that is the key because throughout the offseason, we've been teased with, hey, Drew Brees found his arm strength. You say he has a noodle arm. He's starting to uncork 50-yard throws. That showed me that maybe there is a little bit something left because there was a couple times during this game where I sat there and I said, man, Drew doesn't look that good. And I'll talk about his arm in a little bit, but there were times where I legit watched and say, hey, This really is the last year because I don't know how much he has left in the tank. And if there is some, it's not much. But that throw right there was on the money. The Saints needed it. They got it. They end up scoring a touchdown a couple plays later with Emmanuel Sanders, who didn't do much in his debut, only had three catches, but it was for 15 yards and a really important touchdown that really kind of sealed the deal on this game right there. Um, But Drew and the offense did step up when they needed to, and you always appreciate that. If you're not going to have a great game, at least play well when it matters most, and they definitely did that in the fourth quarter putting up 10 points, uh, and there was a big 10 points. They needed that badly. Um, So I'll break down the offense, which players stood out to me, which didn't. And the one thing that really stood out to me was the way the Bucs defended Michael Thomas. If I told you Michael Thomas only had three catches for 17 yards, you'd tell me, all right, nice, the Saints lost their week week one game. And yet he was shut down. The Bucs made it a point of emphasis to to shut down Michael Thomas. The Saints still win the game. For me, that's impressive. Um, I will say this, though. The Saints have to find a way to get him in rhythm. Uh, I know it's easy to look at that uh, stat sheet and say, hey, look, he did not play well. There were a couple of opportunities where Drew Brees missed him, and there were a couple of opportunities where the Saints actually just didn't force feed him because they were playing a a conservative-style offense. So I'm not too worried there. What I am worried about is him hurting his ankle late in the game. You hope he's okay for Monday Night Football. Um, Obviously, if he's not, the Saints should be careful because his long-term health is way more important than his health for a Monday Night Football game this early in the season. But obviously, the Saints will figure that out. Um, Alvin Kamara, man. He didn't have the yardage that I thought he'd have, but he was absolutely phenomenal when it mattered most. He had five receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown, as well as 16 rushing yards and another touchdown on the ground. He was dynamic. The Saints gave him a lot of chances where he was really in a tough spot, yet he played well. He broke some tackles here and there. He would have had three touchdowns. Granted, I'm going to change that. He would have had four touchdowns if one wasn't overturned because he missed the pile on by an inch, and he would have had another one if Drew Brees hits him on basically a jump pass where... If Shaq Barrett doesn't tip that ball, that's literally a touchdown to end the half. And that would have changed the game completely, would have given them an even bigger lead, would have changed the feel around the locker room. So 
for me, Alvin Kamara, I thought he played outstanding. And he did it against a front seven that I think is going to be one of the best that the Saints are going to face this year. The 49ers probably have a better front seven than the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers do have a very stout front seven. And for Kamara to play pretty well and put up those numbers for me, that is impressive. Um, and the touches weren't high. 17 touches for a guy like him, I think, is a fair amount. And the Saints did a great job of getting Murray involved, too, with giving him, uh, I believe it was 15 touches um, as well. So the Saints did a good job evening it out in that department. Um, who I really liked this game was Jared Cook. I thought Jared Cook was really good. Five catches for 80 yards. Probably would have had close to 100 yards if he didn't drop one 10-yard pass where he could have gotten a little extra yardage there. Um, but he played well. And I said towards the end of last season, Jared Cook and Drew Brees were developing chemistry. That type of chemistry where, hey, look, if Michael Thomas isn't your leading receiver, Jared Cook can get the job done. And I saw that late in the season. I saw the Saints were going to him multiple times, and he was really becoming an X-factor. And that has clearly carried over into this season uh, because Drew Brees threw a lot of passes in his direction, trusted him a lot on third down, and that is crucial. If you have a guy that you can trust on third down of his stature, um, with his size and his speed, he's a mismatch for a lot of teams, and the Saints are going to take advantage of that for the majority of the season, in my opinion. There's one thing I do want to see a little bit more of, and the Saints will figure that out, uh, Taysom Hill. I would like to see more Taysom Hill. He had a catch for 14 yards. He ran the ball three times for 13 yards, and he had a 38-yard trick play pass to Alvin Kamara. So the Saints used him in some capacity. The reason I'm asking for the Saints to use him a little bit more is that he electrifies that offense. When they're dead in terms of energy and they just look lackadaisical out there, you throw a Taysom Hill in that offense, and he finds a way to jumpstart things. So for me... You got to get that energizer bunny type player in there, especially when you see the offense get stagnant. I know it was week one, so I'm not trying to be too hard on Sean Payton, but the Saints definitely have to figure this out. Look, in a win like this, you're excited, you're happy, but you also have to understand there were things the Saints have to fix. And Sean Payton said after the game to reporters, uh, which I found really interesting, he said, and I quote, defensively, I thought we were outstanding. Offensively, that was about as bad as I've had as a play caller. Um, and you got to credit him. He's being honest. He did not have a great game as a play caller. He had some calls that I really liked. But for the most part, it was not the best showing we've seen of Sean Payton. You know, when you've seen that movie a million times and you've seen it's a 10 out of 10 for the most part, when you go in and you see a 5 out of 10 showing, it's disappointing. So for me, that's why you want to see a little bit better out of Sean Payton. But let's not talk about the offense too much. Let me switch over to special teams, which was so, so good in this one. Will Lutz, two for two on field goals, so you like that he was consistent there. Thomas Morstead had six punts for 264 yards, an average of 44. Uh, inside the 20, five out of the six were inside the 20. That is a phenomenal number. He actually had that pop-up punt on the kickoff that ended up forcing a fumble, which Benny Fowler recovered, so that was good. And Deontay Harris, four returns for 59 yards, averaged 14.8 yards per punt return. He did a great job flipping the field, giving the Saints good field position for every single time he touched the ball, and that is something that cannot go under the radar. If you get good field position in this league, you are going to win a lot of football games, and Deontay Harris does that at such a high clip. The special teams unit for the Saints was phenomenal in week one, and that's really impressive for them to do that. And also, might as well add it, Marcus Hunt blocked a kick. So for him to block a field goal, really crucial in the towards the end of the first half. Special teams was so, so good for the New Orleans Saints. As for the rest of the defense, like I said before, that defensive line got a lot of pressure on Tom Brady. Trey Hendrickson, one sack. Demario Davis, one sack. Um, Carl Granderson had a sack. Cam Jordan didn't have a sack, but he was great in run defense. And the fact that the Saints did this without Marcus Davenport is extremely impressive because Davenport has really dominated the Bucs over the course of his young career. So you take him out. You don't have that piece. 
That is big for me. So I was really, really um, thoroughly impressed with what I saw from that defensive line. And I really like what I saw from Malcolm Rhodes, the young uh, player from, from Texas, did a really good job in the run defense. And when Shy Tuttle was inactive, a lot of us, including myself, was a little questionable about it. I was like, hey, why, why is Shy Tuttle inactive? That is why, because Malcolm Roach has clearly shown this defense and this coaching staff something that they really like, and he impressed me a lot uh, in the run defense, and I think he's going to be a key player for them alongside David Onyemata and Sheldon Rankins, who showed a couple of flashes in the pass rush, which will definitely help uh, later on this year if he can continue to do that. So overall, the defense, I had no complaints. Uh, My main issue would just be the penalties, but it's week one. You're going to grab here and there. It happens, but I thought it was a really impressive performance in a season opener where you didn't have a preseason, you didn't have OTAs, you're going up against a Hall of Fame quarterback with the best receiving duo in the league, and you do that, I have to tip my cap to this defense. I really thought they played well, I thought special teams played well, and the offense was not great, but for those two units to play well when the offense doesn't, I think you have to be encouraged. You would rather have the defense start off fast than the offense because the offense you know is going to pick it up. With Breeze and Sean Payton at the helm still, they will find a way at some point this season to break through and really hit their stride. So for now, you're okay with what's going on with this team. Uh, One thing I want to add, which I thought was hilarious that it was broken down during the broadcast, was Demario Davis signing an extension overnight with the Saints. Three years, $27 million. They lock him up at a very, very cheap deal, in my opinion. $9 $9 million for a player of his caliber is a steal. He's a first-team all-pro linebacker. He's so good in the run game. He's good in coverage. He's good on the blitz, as you saw with the one sack today. Um, for that money, that uh, you know annual salary, $9 million per year, it's basically the same deal he just did with the Saints beforehand. Uh, maybe about a, a million more per year, I believe it is. So I love the deal for the Saints. And DeMario was a guy who... I thought I was going to test his value in free agency because I thought that would be the smart play financially, but clearly there was a bond with him in New Orleans. There was a bond with him in the Saints, and he likes his role with his team. So the defensive leader of this team is going to stick around for another three years. So it's a win-win. You get the you get the victory over the Bucks, and you have Demario Davis signing for three more years. So the Saints over the last couple of days have locked in Demario and locked in Alvin Kamara. And I know it's going to be tough to replace Drew Brees, and there's going to be a lot of question marks, but the Saints are doing a good job to make that only question mark the quarterback. They're really doing an outstanding piece of work getting this team, the majority of it, to stick around. Um, Because we remember, the big three in terms of free agents this year for the Saints, Kamara, DeMario, and Marcus Williams, two of them are locked up. I think Marcus Williams probably will leave in free agency because it's just going to be too much money for the Saints to handle, and we'll see what happens with Jared Cook. But the Saints are doing a really, really good job of keeping the most, the, the you know, the important pieces around for the long haul. So you gotta love that. But now, before I end up finishing this podcast, because there's a couple more things I want to hit a, a point, um, I just want to talk about this team real quick to, to do what they did. Okay, throughout this off season, we heard about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I said on last podcast, um, I said. The Saints have more to lose here because if the Bucs lose, you're immediately going to say they need time to gel. It doesn't happen overnight. And you would be right for whoever's saying that, by the way. I'm not here to say Brady's washed, and I'm not here to say the Bucs are going to be bad this year. What I'm here to say is, though, you cannot crown someone without them showing what they're made of. And at the same time, the Saints were supposed to do this. This is a team that's coming in with, once again with championship expectations. They didn't lose many pieces this offseason. They added a couple of nice veterans in Sanders and Jenkins. And this is the last year for Drew Brees. He can say whatever he wants. I'm not going to buy it. I think he's retiring after this year. This is the last ride for number nine. There is no reason why you can't go out and put down a pretty good fight 
to win a Super Bowl. And maybe you won't win it because it's tough to win in this damn league more than it is in any other professional sports league, in my opinion. But they got to make a good fight. And I think after what I saw in week one, I feel very comfortable that this team is going to at least push for a playoff spot and possibly make a deep postseason run. And I don't really want to get caught ahead here, but I'm just saying I saw enough from this team mentally that they're ready for the challenge because it's so easy to get caught up in the headlines and all the, the, the press clippings that the Bucks added Brady. Tampa Bay is now Tampa Bay, which I thought was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But anyway, um, a lot of talk about the Bucks. And you come in, you send a statement. And, and what you really did, not only did you send a statement, you also showed Tom Brady, this is not the AFC East. There are no Josh Allens and Sam Darnold and Ryan Fitzpatrick's over here. This is Drew Brees. This is Matt Ryan. This is Teddy Bridgewater. Those are better quarterbacks. But specifically, this Saints team is full of a bunch of bad, bad players in a good way. I mean, a bunch of bad men that are going to beat the crap out of you on Sundays if you're not ready, which is what the Saints did. From a physical standpoint, the Saints beat the crap out of the Buccaneers. They were tough up front. They were tough in the run, too, when they needed to, um, and they got the job done, and this is not going to be a cakewalk like Brady's accustomed to, and maybe he does win the division this year, and he shocks the hell out of me and does it, but he's going to have to earn it. This is not going to be an easy division, so I really commend the Saints for coming out getting the job done, and I know they were supposed to win, and they were favored to win this game, but it's one thing to be favored, and it's another thing to send a statement and also validate the praise that your team deserves, and I really, really do appreciate that the Saints were able to come out and play that way this Sunday, and and I'm going to throw this out there one more time, too, while I'm at it, okay? This Saints team, in terms of talent, is the best one over the last four years. I know they made the NFC Championship game. I know they've had tough games against the Vikings, and they won 13 uh, 13 games two straight years. This one, in terms of talent, is the most talent they've had. Um, and, And on paper, doesn't always translate on the field, but it looks like this one's going to, and I'm really excited to see what they could do moving forward. And that all starts with their Monday night game against the Las Vegas Raiders, which I'll have a pre, uh, you know, pregame show for and re- and uh, review it and break down what I think are going to be important matchups, of course, later on in the week. But for now, guys, enjoy this win over the Buccaneers. Throw out your funny Tom Brady comments, your Skip Bayless comments, whatever the hell you want to put out there. Throw it out there. Um, enjoy this victory Monday because, look, I don't care if it's week one, week 10, week 17. A win is a win is a win, and you take them anyway they can come. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys very much for tuning in. As always, stay tuned for more Saints content. I'm obviously going to ramp up the podcast, ramp up the articles, and ramp up the videos now that the season is officially underway. I'm so glad we have football, and more importantly, I'm so glad the Saints started the season off with a win. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and stay tuned for more content later this week on the Straight Up Saints podcast.